Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. And up first in today's country comment, we'll have details on yesterday's announcement regarding a habitat-friendly winter wheat eco-label program. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. A new habitat-friendly winter wheat eco-label program launched yesterday will help consumers identify environmentally friendly products that provide critical habitat for ducks, birds, and other wildlife. The program helps consumers identify food and drink items made using Western Canadian winter wheat. The partnership is between Cereals Canada, Ducks Unlimited Canada, Prairie Winter Wheat Growers, and end users including millers and food processors. Daniel Ramage is Director of Market Access and Trade Policy at Cereals Canada. We are really excited to be making this announcement today together with our partners. Uh, This is a project that's all about sharing some sustainability stories uh, in agriculture and putting a spotlight on great things that are happening in agriculture. So we've known for a long time that winter wheat grown on the prairies offers important benefits to wildlife. Uh, in terms of, of offering additional habitat. And that's something that, uh, that's been proven through research by groups like Ducks Unlimited who studied it extensively. And so with this habitat-friendly eco-label uh, eco that we're uh, announcing today, the goal is all about sharing that story with consumers and helping to draw benefits from that all throughout the supply chain. Yeah, tell us how it will work, um, you know, for companies to get certified under this program. So uh, the program uh, allows companies to become certified, and it really is quite streamlined because we're using the Canadian uh, variety registration and, and classification system uh, and leveraging that to make it as simple as possible. So uh, through the certification process, companies can demonstrate that they're using Uh, wheat that belongs to the Canadian Western Red Winter class. That way we know it's grown in the prairie region and we know it's offering those habitat benefits. There's a couple of uh, companies already part of the program? Yeah, and so this is part of what we're announcing today and and it is really exciting. We've got two companies uh, that are at the head of the pack in terms of of completing their certification and bringing this uh, eco-label forward to market. So we've been working with uh, one company. They're called Moulin de Soulange. Uh, they're a mill based just outside of Montreal, and they produce specialty flours uh, that are sold to artisanal bakeries all around North America. Uh, so they were one of the first partners to get involved. We've also been working with a company called Bean Suntory, uh, and they're a, a, a large and, and very well-known global producer of premium spirits, uh, and they're participating through their Alberta distillery uh, and their brand called Northern Keep. So that's a premium brand of vodka that's available uh, all across Canada, and it's made using uh, prairie-grown winter wheat. Talk about how uh, farmers will benefit from the program. Yeah, so, and, and, you know, I need to mention that this program was developed from the ground up with involvement from farmers. It's really been driven by groups like the Manitoba Crop Alliance, the Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Commission, uh, and the Alberta Wheat Commission, who've been 
involved uh, from the outset in building this program as an opportunity, a market development opportunity for winter wheat. So really has been uh, built from the ground up with that sense of helping to give farmers an edge up. And so the way that, uh, the way that that works is that by telling that story, that sustainability story, and helping consumers recognize it, we can create more demand pull for a crop like winter wheat. And so the benefit there is that it helps to sustain uh, opportunities for more diversity in a farmer's crop rotation. Uh, we know that winter wheat acres have been declining, and so the idea here is that we can create some market demand, create some pull, uh, and that'll help sustain winter wheat as uh, a strong option uh, over the long term that can be used in, in crop rotation. Uh, it's also a way to create value. Uh, you know, we can unlock higher profits when consumers start viewing winter wheat as a premium product. We are just launching this eco-label today, and we are looking at recruiting more brands. And so we want to get that message out there. If companies are interested in participating or learning more, they can contact us at Cereals Canada. Uh, they can also visit our website. It's habitatwheat.ca. Uh, that's a resource for anyone who's interested in this program and interested in learning more. That was Daniel Ramage, Director of Market Access and Trade Policy at Cereals Canada. He was filling us in on yesterday's announcement regarding a new habitat-friendly winter wheat eco-label program. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Knute. There are still a few corn fields remaining. I think we're very close to wrapping up. I mean, there's definitely still corn standing. I've seen some sunflowers still standing too, but that's just a matter of, I think, timing for producers that have both with the warm weather coming up this week, I think I think guys will probably be finishing up. I would expect it's good drying drying weather once the temperatures reach ten degrees and twelve degrees. As good as it's going to get, I think. That was Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Crop Alliance. She says corn harvest generally wraps up in mid-November. And last month, the Canadian Dairy Commission conducted a review of Canadian Farmgate milk prices and various other costs used in administering the supply management system. As a result, on February 1st of next year, the CDC intends to implement an increase of six cents per litre to the price of Farmgate milk. Chantal Paul is a spokesperson for the Canadian Dairy Commission. Every year we look at how much does it cost to produce milk in Canada, basically. Of course, in the last couple of years, those costs have gone up a lot. You already know that you know fuel prices are up, grain prices are up. These, all these things have an impact on, on dairy farms as well. And we also looked at the trends in dairy farmers' revenues. So, and what we noticed was their revenues did not keep up with the way their cost of productions were going. So we felt it was really necessary to have an a above-average increase this year to make sure that uh, the dairy farms remained profitable. The new farm milk prices will become official once they're approved by provincial authorities in early December. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, November 3rd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from newly reappointed Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. Quebec MP Marie-Claude Bebo was recently reappointed as Canada's Agriculture Minister. I caught up with the minister yesterday. Well, I'm very glad, uh, excited, uh, thanks to the Prime Minister. Um, 
I love this sector. I love the people, and I really look forward to continue working with our farmers and ranchers and my colleagues from the provinces as well. Yeah, I guess uh, just going forward, you know, what will be your uh, top priorities? Well, um, obviously, uh, when I think about the, our Western uh, producers, uh, I, I mean, I, I want to keep working with them to help them rebounce, uh, bounce back from, from the drought because I know it's been a very, very difficult summer for them. So this is uh, definitely top of mind for me. And, uh, well, it's another example that uh, the climate is changing and that we really have to double down on our efforts uh, to have a more sustainable agriculture, to, for our farmers to be more resilient. Uh, so we will keep, you know, working in this direction to give them more uh, knowledge around new practices, access to new technologies so we can make our agriculture as sustainable as possible and uh, reduce our emission by the same, uh, by the way. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, labor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Going forward, what uh, can be done to help fill that uh, shortage? Well, this is, I would say, one of the most important issues. I hear that everywhere across the country, and actually it's not limited to agriculture and agri-food, but it is extremely important in our sector. So temporary foreign workers is, is one part of the the answer, and I will keep working with Minister Qualtro, is still in our same portfolio, so this is good. We will be able to continue working on the reform for our temporary for the, the temporary foreign workers program, we want to make it uh, simpler. <laughs> uh, there, we have a consensus on the importance of recognizing the the trusted employers, so making the process uh, faster for for those who are treating well their workers. Uh, and you know, there are other measures that we are committed to uh, undertake that would will also contribute to our challenges around labor. So I think about investing in the child uh, child care, for example. It allows p- uh, parents to come back to work earlier. Investing in uh, training programs and and uh, work uh, programs for, for youth. And we have a very good one, actually, in agriculture. Uh, changing some uh, fiscal uh, criteria to encourage our seniors to stay at work longer, and obviously invest in research and innovation and automation. So there's a lot of things that we, uh, we will be uh, working on to reduce the, this challenge around the labor. One um, issue that's been brought up by a number of commodity groups, uh, the, the container crunch, as they call, they're calling it, just the shortage of, of containers. What can be done to address that? Well, it is, uh, yes, you're, you're right, uh, the container uh, that there's a bottleneck around the uh, availability of, of containers, and this is something that, uh, I mean, it's not so obvious how we can address it from the governmental point of view, but we want to keep working with the sector, um, maybe with my colleague from Transport, you know, to see what we can do to make it uh, more fluent, if I may say. Uh, we always want to make sure that our supply chain is, is resilient to a a certain number of, of new challenges that, I mean, we, we have never had to face before, or not at, at least in, the, in such a big, um, at such a, a scale. Can you fill us in on the um, FPT meetings? I understand those will be held coming up, uh, coming up here shortly. Yes, absolutely. Uh, 
actually next week <laughs> we will be meeting. Most of us will be uh, in Guelph. Others will join uh, virtually. And uh, the idea is really to uh, to agree on the main principles of the next uh, generation of the Canadian Agriculture Partnership. Um, is the the cycle will be from 2023 to 2028. So this is why we have to start now. Uh, having this discussion, uh, and I can tell you that from my point of view, um, agri-environment <laughs> is the environment and sustainable agriculture is, is definitely uh, my uh, utmost priority, uh, making sure, you know, knowing that our farmers are the first to be impacted by climate change, uh, acknowledging as well that our consumers here in Canada and across the world, actually, in our biggest markets are asking, you know, they want to be reassured that, that their food is produced sustainably. So uh, I really want to be there to accompany and to support our farmers to uh, transition even faster because I know they have always cared for the environment, obviously, but we have to do more and faster. So I want to be there to support them. That was Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Beeble. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Beef Producers Fall District meetings are on now. Go to their website for details. Canada's Outdoor Farm Show is hosting an online event November 10th. Entitled, What a Year, a Celebration of Egg Innovation, go to OutdoorFarmShow.com. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association Regen Egg Conference is scheduled for November 15th to the 17th at Brandon's Victoria Inn. The Canadian Hemp Trade Alliance is planning its annual conference for November 17th and 18th. It'll take place online, details at HempTrade.ca. The Advancing Women in Agriculture Conference is planned to be held virtually November 22nd and 23rd. And the Association of Manitoba Municipalities is holding its fall convention November 22nd to the 24th. Go to the AMM website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon, the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association Regenerative Agriculture Conference takes place in Brandon November 15th to the 17th at the Victoria Inn. Here's Committee Chair Ryan Boyd. It's a hybrid type event to accommodate all folks, uh, whether you want to tune in online or what I think most people are craving is some some real person-to-person interaction in person at the Victoria Inn. The keynote speakers, we have a sampling of speakers from across the globe, and there two, we have we have several speakers from uh, international places. We've got Pablo Echeberry from Argentina. He's kind of a world-renowned uh, practitioner grazer ultra-high stock density grazer, uh, and also consultant. Um, we have Walter Yenny from Australia. He's going to talk to us about just how fixing the hydrological cycle, how fixing the water cycle can have major impact on the climate um, and global warming and those impacts and what we can do just on farm to, to actually make a difference and feel the positive effects of, of better management on farm when in thinking in terms of water. Uh, we have another regenerative agriculture expert from New Zealand, Jono Fru. He's going to address the conference speaking about uh, how the dairy farm, some dairy farms 
in New Zealand are making regenerative agriculture work for them. Um, another uh, internationally acclaimed expert from the UK, Stephen Briggs, he's an expert on agroforestry. He has his own farm where he grows uh, apple. He has an apple orchard um, amongst his crop fields. So he, he's going to tell us about that. And he, he's also a, a well-sought-after regenerative ag consultant in, in the UK. So that'll be very interesting. And then we have another speaker coming in from South Africa, Bertie Coetzee. So Bertie has a extremely diverse operation in South Africa from he has a vineyard to organic crops to multi-species livestock grazing. He, he, he has a, uh, they, they mill their own flour in a bakery. So Bertie will be very interesting uh, conversation that we, we have with him. And then of course, all of the, so those are the remote keynote speakers and all of those will be anchored with in-person producer panels so we we have kind of the highlight reel of regenerative farmers from manitoba and saskatchewan coming to us in person at the at the vic inn to talk about how we can apply some of these how they are applying some of these international expertise at home here in manitoba and saskatchewan so we're pretty excited about the, the producer panels. We have a, um, some, some exciting young dairy farmers on one panel. We have some multi-species grazers on another. We have uh, some crop residue grazing practitioners on another panel um, and also a high stock density grazing producer panel. Um, and then, of course, to bring it all home, the in-person keynotes, we have uh, international expert on cover crops and regenerative farming, Blake Vince. So Blake is coming from, uh, he farms down near London, Ontario. And he's, he's well known in the cover crop world for his expertise there, but he has recently reintroduced some native prairie onto his farm and also some cattle. So he's going to talk about why he's doing that and what he's seeing on his farm. And then we have Kim Cornish from Alberta, and she's going to talk about her work documenting um, soil carbon and also all the other um, uh, e- ecological goods and services that, that a more diverse regenerative type farm has to offer. And then she has some, some creative ideas on just how we should be structuring those uh, carbon credits and, and how farmers can work together to secure a... And, uh, an effective means to, to get paid for the for the carbon credits, and then myself, I'll, I will address the conference to, to kind of wrap things up and, and kind of give a a pie in the sky look at just what what could regenerative agriculture uh, look like in the future here in Manitoba. So we're we're pretty excited about about all of that, and I guess I should say our our banquet on the on the Tuesday night. Our guest speaker is Steve Langston, and, and Steve, he he has a, a business where he he does um, produces like media short short movies. Um, but he, Steve has also invested heavily into his local community in Erickson, and working with partners and, and other residents there, they've really turned the local 
business and the the local economy in Ericsson, uh, m- turning it around and make has had some very positive impact. So he's going to address the, the banquet on Tuesday nights. So we're pretty excited to hear what he has to say and some some fresh ideas on just what can be done to revitalize these small towns, our rural communities, um, with some some new thinking. That was Ryan Boyd. He's the committee chair for the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association Regenerative Agriculture Conference coming up in Brandon, November 15th to the 17th. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Members of the United Auto Workers Union have informed Deer and Company that the production and maintenance employees at 12 facilities in Illinois, Iowa, and Kansas have rejected a second tentative agreement extending a nearly three-week-long strike. The agreements reached with the UAW would have provided an immediate 10% wage increase and 30% wage increases over the term of the contract and a ratification bonus of $8,500. Employees at Deer Parts facilities in Denver and Atlanta have voted in support of a separate agreement with identical economic terms. Roughly 10,000 Deer employees went on strike October 14th for the first time since 1986. Canadians are expected to pay more for dairy products in the coming months. Last month, the Canadian Dairy Commission conducted a review of Canadian farm gate milk prices and various other costs used in administering the supply management system. As a result, on February 1st of next year, the CDC intends to implement an increase of 6% per litre to the price of Farmgate milk. Spokesperson Chantel Paul explained when consumers can expect to see higher prices at the grocery store. Normally, it should be after February 1st. The milk that will be delivered from the farmers to the processors in February, the processors will pay more for it. So as those that milk gets processed into dairy products and reaches the shelves, then it should uh, it should translate at that point. The new farm milk prices will become official once they're approved by provincial authorities in early December. And the province's corn harvest is close to wrapping up. The Manitoba Crop Alliance is busy scouting fields for the annual corn yield competition. Here's agronomy extension specialist Morgan Cott. I'm quite surprised with the amount of entries that we've had. Last year was also a tough year that we know of and I only had 20 entries last year which we usually get about double that and this year I should have about 135 so considering what we've been through this year and and what the yields are turning out to be it's a a great sign I think anyway it's just the, the amount of response I've had this year for the corn competition it means that some guys are finding very high yields in you know they could be average average field but good yields within that field. I'm, I'm impressed with what I've, what I've come up with so far. The winners will be announced at the Crop Connect Conference in February. Manitoba's corn yield competition dates back to 1971. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.